Welcome to the Nebraska Athletic Department podcast. I am uh, Brian Rosenthal, and later on, Jeremy Foote will join me, and we'll talk about some uh, Husker football and some other sports. Right now, it's volleyball season starting tomorrow night. Uh, Nebraska takes on Florida at the Bob Devaney Sports Center to kick off the 2018 season. And we are joined now by John Baylor, the voice of the Huskers for Nebraska Volleyball. We'll be talking uh, volleyball here for the next few minutes. John, welcome. Hello, Brian. Great to be here. Fired up. It's always a good time talking about volleyball. The Husker Athletic Department Podcast. Podcast. This is sweet. How many podcasts have you put together so far? This is our fourth one, I think. I'm the fourth guest? Fifth one. Fifth Fifth guest of all time. Uh, Actually, the first one didn't have a guest, so I think you're the fourth guest of all time. So when my kids question my relevance, I'll say, hey... I was one of the top guests ever on the Husker Athletic. I'm fired up. And you have your own podcast, too. I do. The On to College podcast. Brian, Jeremy, you're probably regular listeners, but for those who aren't initiated quite yet, the On to College podcast helps families and students navigate the college admissions game. So you get the right college, right price, graduate with minimal debt. I'm pretty fired up about that. I wish I had known that before. But you're doing just fine. Well... There's that debt thing that, you know, kind of got me. Still? No, no, not still, but, you know. Well, spread the word. Yeah. I will. Be a smart shopper. If we're listening to this. Hashtag, hey. hashtag smart shopper. Hashtag smart shopper. When you're, when you're buying a car, you're a smart shopper, but often when <laughs> we're true. shopping for college. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit different out there. A little naive. John, how long have you been doing Husker Volleyball? 25 years. 25 years. Started at uh, eighth grade. It was a middle school project. No. Uh, (laughs) Started uh, my late 20s. I've been doing it for 25 years. Quarter century. I figured that out. Silver anniversary. I didn't even know that. So this makes this even more. 25 is silver. When's diamond? Is there one? Brian. Gold is 50, so yeah. in 25 years, we'll we'll come back and do this again for your golden anniversary. I love it if the nursing home will let me out. It's, <laughs> it's all up go. to the supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> I'll ask you point blank. Do you think Nebraska is the number two team in the nation as they are preseason ranked in the AVCA poll? Probably not. Uh, we probably have the third best talent mm-hmm. in the conference. So to be the number two team in the country is a bit much. But what we proved last year is the top talent doesn't necessarily win the title. Yeah. Chemistry is a huge component in the sport of volleyball. And last year we had magical chemistry. And this year it seems like we have more of the same. So I think when you put the alchemy of chemistry and talent together, we're certainly a top seven program right now. Mm-hmm. But at this point, a lot of unknowns. But you said that, that John Cook loves this team, head coach in Nebraska. Yeah, I did say that. And that's that's a, that's a good sign, right? I, it's a very good sign. That's a, usually a very good indicator. Yeah. Kind of like when you're at the tee box and you think you're going to slice it. That's a very good indicator <laughs> that that's about to happen. And he uh, he really likes this team. He loves Nicklin Hames. Mm-hmm. He's been waiting for her for a few years, uh, and very excitedly. And so uh, that's a, a huge component, although an unknown. But the, the issue, Brian, is that it, just like last year, we have a lot of unknown new faces, but this year, they're very young. Last year, they're quite experienced. Annie Albright on the outside, she's very experienced at a new position, but very, very experienced. Whereas now, we've got uh, an outside hitter, Sammy Slaughter, who, who played in seven sets all last year. Yeah. And there's a, there's a new setter. It's like Nebraska having a new quarterback. There's a quarterback yeah. battle going on in the football field. Yes. It's the it's the quarterback of the volleyball team. 
And, and you mentioned Nicklin Haynes already, that the Coach Cook has been high on her for yeah. a long time. So what, what's she look like? How, what are we getting ourselves into here with this new setter? She's about 5'9". Yeah. Okay, so she's a little Lauren Cook size-ish, meaning she's going to get a lot of attacks over her. So opponents will try to mm-hmm. side out over her over and over all season long. My guess is occasionally there will be a sub that will come in, try to block those side out attempts. However, she has things you can't teach. Uh, and that is uh, leadership skills, ability to really connect uh, with others, and she's just a winner. Mm-hmm. She's got Kelly Hunter-like high school success in her wake. In fact, in eighth grade, when we might have all been trading baseball cards, she was winning a state high school championship in the state of uh, Tennessee. I'm not sure how you, in eighth grade you get even on the varsity team, but it, she not only got on, she led them to a state championship. So she knows how to win, and she just has a, a leader's mentality and a confidence that's infectious. Nicklin was doing some interviews post-practice last night, and that's the first time that I had seen her actually, and she's very charismatic. You would yeah. have never guessed that just talking with her and listening to her talk that she'd be a freshman. I mean, she was... Kelly Hunter-esque, as yep. you said. Really, she was, I thought. Fans are going to love her. There have yeah. been teams in the past, not that this matters a whole lot, but they had kind of introverted personalities on the team, and the fans were trying to latch on yeah. and get excited about certain players. And, and that uh, in this team concept that is Nebraska volleyball wasn't always possible. I think she is going to really shine in, in the coming years. And She, Lexi's son, are just going to be featured players the fans are going to love. What about Michaela Fecky? I mean, she... Burst onto the scene as a freshman. She's awesome. And has just, she's been the the, the model of consistency mm. with this program, and it's her senior year. Is this kind mm. of her team, you think? Oh, yeah. She and, and Kenzie. They, yeah. As they go, so go the team. And uh, they'll be out there every rotation. Kenzie's got to sit out for half a rotation. So basically, every rotation, those two players will be out there among the six the entire season. And she and uh, Kenzie have pretty much altered the trajectory of the program since their arrival. Mm-hmm. There have been other contributing factors, but they've been front and center. And what we were in 2014 and what we are now, uh, to a large extent, has their fingerprints on it. And uh, they'll be, so they're a fabulous cornerstone. Uh, she's just the embodiment of Nebraska volleyball. So humble, always points after she gets a kill at whoever it was Absolutely. they fed her the volleyball. Uh, she's a, beyond a celebrity in southeastern Iowa. And I think. She'll go down. She'll go up on the wall very, very soon, and she'll go down in history as one of the all-time greats. And she's an example, I think, too, John of – and John Cook has talked about this, that the leadership in this program just kind of rolls yes. over. It's, it's like it's, it's built in. It, the program almost runs itself because these, these players come in and they see uh, what a Jordan Larson – I'm going back a lots of years mm. – but they, they see what this leadership is and what they have to do, and they're like, okay, I've got to do this thing now, too. And it's just kind of like a – it's like a rollover thing almost. Mm, well, it, John and, and Terry Pettit before him created this. It's yeah. a culture of purpose, and those who are fortunate enough to join this culture inherit that purpose. So you're right. It's almost unspoken. But, yeah, you, when you arrive and you put on that jersey and you look at the building, and then when you see the building filled, you know, this matters. And that's not necessarily something inherited uh, in other programs. Back to Michaela, Brian, sophomore year, her sophomore year, um, we're flying back from Indiana, and I go to the back of the plane, and she and Kenzie actually are watching a movie on one of their laptops. I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. What's this about? (laughs) And they were getting teared up. I'm like, oh, wow. And so I peeked around at the screen. They're watching the final moments of The Sound of Music. 
Oh, wow. I just thought, there's hope. There's a lot of hope <laughs> going on right here. That's the kind of character we have leading this team. That's awesome. And, of course, John is a leader in and of himself. And oh. it's, you know, last year was such a rewarding year for him. And, and he talked about that at the beginning of the year that it would be a he had to like reinvent himself, reinvigorate himself because of all the changes within the program. And I really do think that was one of his more rewarding experiences last year to lead the team to the mm. national championship with so many unknowns. And there's more unknowns this year too. Is he kind of mm. treating this year a little bit of the same way as, as last year in terms of, hey, I got to prove myself again mm-hmm. here because of all these unknowns? Yeah, eight new faces, only seven returnees. You got a brand new assistant coach. Kayla's coming back, but it's only her second season. As an assistant coach, yeah, he's he's got to do a lot more than he used to have to do when he had much more experienced assistants and many more vets coming back on the roster. But he's just the master motivator. And what he's done over the last five or six years is pretty remarkable at that stage of his life. I mean, five or six years ago, we were having some mini struggles by Nebraska standards, which by any other school standards would be highly acceptable. And here we are really arguably the golden age of Nebraska volleyball. When you look at the... Uh, recruiting classes that allegedly will be arriving here in the coming years. This is the golden age of Nebraska. This is comparable. Did I say basketball? I meant volleyball. Uh, this volleyball. Is, good. This is uh, comparable to what we saw in the mid-90s for football. It really is. That's, mm. that's a very good comparison. It's And and you go back to the, the football in the 90s, and again, the leadership. Those are good days. Those are good Those days. Those are sweet. <laughs> I remember they'd ask Tom Osborne, okay, what uh, what's going to happen this week? He said, well, we're going to. We're going to try really hard. We're going, to, we're going to take the field, and we're going to do our best, and the fellows have really worked hard, and we yeah. hope to compete on Saturday. Any questions? Coach, you're a 59-point favorite of a K-State. <laughs> can, you give, can you give us a little bit more? <laughs> I loved it. But, I loved it. But the, it, it, is, it is similar in what we were talking about with the leadership and the culture and the program almost mm-hmm. running itself. It's very comparable to what football was in the 90s, I think. Well, Brian, I don't want any misunderstanding. You say running itself, it's almost like a car, like a Honda you don't need any, that needs no maintenance. True. Uh, but or a Chevy, sorry, I just hated it half your <laughs> listeners. But um, it gives that appearance is what it, I'm trying it, to say. There's John, obviously there's a lot of inside work going on. John, but. John makes it look easy, but no one works harder. Oh, absolutely. So how about that for a dichotomy? No one works harder. He's just tireless. I mean, he's anxious after within two hours after a national championship. He's angry, like, okay, what can we do better? What he is a tireless worker, and and uh, that's really the motor right now that's that's running this thing. Yeah. Florida's in town tomorrow night. Number seven. Friday night, I should say. I guess I don't know when this podcast will appear on. It's uh, timeless. That's a great thing so, about podcasts. That's right. It's, Some people will be listening to this, and Nebraska have already defeated Florida in three games. So, <laughs> but, Let's hope. Number seven in the land, they're totally reconfigured. I mean, they're missing. Yeah. Let me count this up. They're missing one, two, three, four very significant starters from last year's team. And, very, and uh, they have one significant returnee, Rachel Kramer. All right, their setter's back as well, Ali Montserrat. But uh, Rachel Kramer, the middle, crushed us a year ago in Gainesville, 20 kills, and then in the national championship game was subdued with only eight kills. So mm-hmm. John figured out a way three months later how to stop her. But they're a totally different team. They have the national player of the year in Thayer Hall out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. That'll be fun to watch the national high school player of the year. Nice. And so both teams are completely uh, renovated. Yeah. 
This is the final year of the Vert Challenge, too. Nebraska hosting after Do you know being, what Vert is? I don't. Okay. I learned after Does three, it stand for something? Three years. Yes. It's a, it's a company okay. that sells a product that's only sold within the sport of volleyball. Okay. So unless you're literally a volleyball player or coach, you have no idea what this product is. I don't. Okay, so I've heard of like the Pepsi Challenge, but never the Vert Challenge. Or the Emeritus or whatever. Until I get yeah. involved, but now I know, no, no, Emeritus is an insurance company. That's well, uh, that, yeah, that, but we know what it is, okay. is what I'm All saying. Right. Yeah. Vert, if you got, it counts how many times you leap every day. I don't need this product. <laughs> I can Zero. Count, I can count single digits. I'm pretty strong at that. <laughs> but you wear that in practice, so you figure out how many times you're jumping. Okay. So it's a big deal in Bible. So this is the Vert Challenge, number four, four and done, uh, mm-hmm. Coach says. And I'm not... Uh, I'm a little disappointed because for the second straight year, we're not playing Texas. Yeah. And we're in the same yeah. doggone hotel, at least in Gainesville, and we don't get to play them. I mean, can't we just set something up Sunday breakfast or something? Let's just get together. Don't have to tell anybody. Like that match that Coach uh, set up when we were in Japan back in 2006. It was one of the great matches of all time. I think I and like five people watched that thing. It just went on for like three hours. Unbelievable. But uh, it'd be fun. I mean, I mean, Texas and Nebraska are in the same county. They got to play. Yeah. It's a huge rivalry, uh, obviously say. going back to Big 12 days and, well, even before that, before Way 95 back. National Championship match. Going was back Texas. to the Moral Land Grant Act of uh, the 1860s. <laughs> I mean, this thing goes. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's a shame when we don't get to play them. Last time we played them, mm, 2015 title game. That yeah. shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have this kind of droughts. How about Stanford? Last time we played Stanford, 2014 preseason. Yeah. What's going on? Volleyball royalty should be meeting, yeah. not at just banquets. But well, it does sound like that in the in the future years, Nebraska will be getting the season. With, there's no longer the Vert Challenge, but John Cook was talking yesterday that there'll be like a Wednesday Saturday tournament something where Nebraska will play at least one home match and then go on the road for the next however many years against high quality teams. I like that. I think that'd be a sweet emeritus classic. Yeah, uh, challenge. Uh, the teams he brought up, so it's all public, are Louisville, where Danny Busbaum's a head coach, sure. Kentucky, where Craig Skinner's a head coach, and Stanford. Mm-hmm. So, so much for where Brian Hamley's a head coach. So, so much for the drought yeah. of not playing Stanford. I really hope that comes together. And, yes, if four teams are going to be in a challenge, let's let each team play each, each of the others each year. So, the only question is where. Yeah. And Nebraska always does this. I mean, they jump right in. I mean, there's no easing your way into it with – South to go to Tech for the whatever you know they they like to jump into this right away uh, as yeah. with tough competition and is do you like that because last year they sure. lost these two matches yeah I I do and then it's, won the national title it's very risky uh, because you're playing such a rigorous conference schedule yeah so Michigan State a few others play a bunch of cupcakes this time of year and Illinois got burned one year they had a top twenty program they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Because uh, they had too tough a preseason, they were sub 500. You can't get in the tournament if you're not uh, yeah. at least 500. So you got to be a little careful. So I, I think when he sees a strong team coalescing, that he'll uh, he'll schedule tougher. And when he sees a young team, he might schedule a little softer. But you're right. Of late, he's been scheduling awfully tough preseason. Even though there's a week coming up when we're going to have Minnesota. Penn State and Wisconsin in the same eight-day period, which we had last year as well. But Piece of cake. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> no problem. Four teams in the top ten. Have you ever seen a non-conference schedule where Nebraska <clears throat> plays the entire non-conference at home? No, I kind of like it. I bet you do. I find this Creighton match, though, in, in Omaha. Oh, there you go. There's, of, there's one. A yeah. bit annoying. At least we could have done that maybe in 
Gretna, someplace a little bit closer. And then this that's kind of a, a nuisance to have to travel in the Big Ten. Let's just bring everybody in here. Yeah. Let's do a home and home with Iowa and a home and home with Minnesota. I mean, why does you know feed all these charter companies profits? So I'd say just play them all here and make it a little easier idea. for everybody. Everyone's talking about, hey, it's tough on the student athlete. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's easier on the student athlete if they're always within a mile of Love Library. That would help. John, do you enjoy your job? <laughs> I think you kind of do. I do. It's We're visiting with John Baylor, voice of the uh, Nebraska volleyball team, by the way, it's on our fun. podcast this week. You know, week. people say you do a good job. And I'm like, okay, hang on. We're talking about sports casting. Okay. Don't confuse this with real work. I mean, most people go into cubicles. It's not real work. You're go, right. People go into cubicles and they've got to take care of clients and they got to go find new clients. And then they got to go in and find out what they're sales quote is for the coming year. I mean, this is a little different from that. I get to describe what other people do. Mm-hmm. That's why I say at the end, my job today, describe what I saw. So I love sports casting. It's a lot of fun, but it's, um, it's, I'm not uh, fixing the Middle East, but it's a lot of fun. How did you get involved with this? Did you go to school for this? Did you know you wanted to be a broadcaster? Seriously, though, what? <laughs> Um, the way you said, did you go to school? <laughs> it sounded like... No, I meant, did, like, you, did you know... Oh, yeah, I, I mean, did, did, did you I major to, in broadcasting? Uh, what def, was the, definitely not. Okay. I, went to, I went to Stanford, and they don't have broadcasting as a major okay, there. there. And uh, I was uh, trying to be an actor in Los Angeles. You can see how that turned cool. out. And I got a job at KLIN Radio because uh, I wanted to get into sportscasting. And um, I thought, if I'm going to get good at sportscasting, I need reps. And in L.A., I wasn't getting reps maybe once or one or two cable TV high school uh, games. So I wanted to wrap, so I need to go to a small market. And I thought if I'm going to go to a small market, why don't I go to Lincoln where I grew up? And I got a job with KLIN Radio at 12000 hold everything, $1,200 a month and $75 a game, which actually wasn't a bad per game fee. Mm-hmm. And uh, within a year, they gave me the volleyball play-by-play. And Terry Pettit was not happy. He's saying, hey, well, Bill Byrne said, uh, we want... KLIN now to originate all of the programming. You know, Kent and, and Gary, they were the, the play-by-play and color guys for football, but for, for pretty much everything else, pregame, postgame, um, women's hoops, all it was just, uh, and Kent did the men's hoops. It was KLIN, Jim Rose and myself and Gary Sharp. Uh, and within a year, they, they said you can, uh, Bill Byrne said, you know what, there was one sport we don't have under the KLIN roof, and that was volleyball. We want you to do it. And, and Jim said, well, if we're going to do it, then John Biller's going to do the play-by-play. Terry was not thrilled with that concept. And so uh, not being fully familiar with the rules of the sport of volleyball, I immediately started studying. And uh, here I am 25 years later. But it, it's a lot of fun. When I actually am counseling young people who wish to get into sports casting, and there are plenty, mm-hmm. I say, uh, be sure to take a broadcasting class or two and be sure to do internships to make sure this is what you want to do. But I say, you don't need to major in broadcasting. Major in English, major in history, major in something that's going to really improve your communication skills. So you've got the vocabulary, you've got the anecdotes, you've got the metaphors that will enrich your broadcasting and uh, also have a little fun with it. So, and read. Read a lot, too. Oh, great advice. Absolutely. Yeah. John, thanks for joining us. This is it. We're this, just getting rolling here. I know it. I know it. I've, I've got to go to a luncheon. No. Um, Jeremy, do you want to take over? You can, you can talk to John if you want <laughs> to have, some more. But We haven't talked about the 90s. Uh, what happened in 2004? What happened in 2004? Well, the final match was in Louisville. And we're playing USC. It was one of the greatest, great matches, but we don't consider it a great match because it didn't work out at the end. Sarah Pavin 
in that five-set loss to USC, and K.O. Burdine, she's on the all-time anti-Husker team, had 90 swings in five sets. And we lose in a convention center in Louisville in front of maybe 2,000 people. 15 people, yeah. Went on forever. Fabulous. Unfortunately, the ending didn't work out, but it's been, uh, they did pretty well the next two years. And what about the 90s? <laughs> Quick summary. Uh, that was, uh, those are good days. Those are good days. 94, undefeated, lose in the uh, regional final to Penn State. Russ Rose is dancing in the Coliseum Russ parking Rose. lot. 95. Did he have his clipboard with him? Uh, his, not, his, in, his, uh, not in the parking lot, but he still had a sweater on. Okay. I, I just remember right. after the match, I finally am leaving, and it's you know, 25, 30 minutes after the match ended, a shocking loss, the regional final against Penn State in 94. And he's out in the parking lot just, just dancing with a bunch of Penn State fans and just laughing, and he had earned it. He shocked us. Yeah. And then in 95, we win the title, and only one loss that year, that phantom net call against Jen McFadden in early September against Stanford, lost that. And... 96, one of the great coaching jobs of all time. Uh, beginning of the year, two or three injuries, knocked out Jen McFadden, knocked out Denise Kojal, totally revamped lineup. Megan Kojal, uh, Megan Korver playing in the middle, and she and those Huskers, Fiona Nepo, go to the at Final Four. I mean, they had just no business. But that was another example of it. 96, 2017. Chemistry mm-hmm. can take above average talent and make it elite talent. And 97, Lisa Reitzman's last year, just got to the regional final against Long Beach. I'm almost done with the 90s. And then 98, a little disappointing. We get to the final four. We got beat by Penn State. We had some injury issues there, but that's a match we could have won. That's a title we might have been able to win 98. And 99 was kind of disappointing when two two Hall of Fame coaches worked together, and then 2000, we win the title undefeated. So those those were good days. And chemistry is good on this year's team? That's what everyone's saying. I don't know yeah. yet. But, and frankly, from the say. outside, it, it's it's almost always tough to say. But boy, when you got Kenzie and you got Michaela leading the way, I can't imagine they'd allow anything but absolute cooperation and care for each other, building off of last year. We're going to need it. We don't have top four talent in the country, probably, but we might have the best chemistry in the country. If we do, it'd be the exact same thing as last year. John, enjoy the season. Thanks, Brian. Uh, well, welcome back to the Nebraska Athletic Podcast. Um, it's quite the interesting conversation we have with John Baylor. Very, uh, very interesting guy. If uh, most people probably just know him from calling uh, volleyball games, but I had the privilege of one year I worked with uh, the volleyball team of uh, let's see, it was last year in the Big Twelve. I actually, brewed with JB on the road quite a bit. So uh, he is a very interesting character. Has a lot of good stories, which obviously we heard quite a few of them volleyball related. But he knows all kinds of things outside the world of volleyball yeah i got the sense that he could have stayed here all day long and we could have kept talking and he could have kept telling stories and we (laughs) would have kept laughing and uh yeah very very knowledgeable and just really what a nebraska treasure to have for for volleyball i mean he's seen he's seen a lot i mean i don't i should have asked him i don't know how many matches he's or if any he's missed over those 25 years, I'm sure there's maybe been one or two in there he's had to miss. I don't know. But he's probably seen as many or more matches than anybody else in the Nebraska program. So you stop and think about it. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at this is his 25th year, even if you just averaged 30, 30 matches a year, he'd be talking at well over, what, 750 matches? Yeah. Probably so. Plus you figure in NCAA tournament, years they play more than 30. I mean, he's got to be getting close to 1,000. So. 
I'm sure that would be. I, I would bet he may have that number specifically somewhere. <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy that would know that. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. But yeah, even after you left, uh, JB and I talked for quite a while after that. So yeah, I think he. We'll, we'll probably. I talked to him. Maybe we'll have him back on after the uh, non-conference season, kind of uh, discuss how the team looks and look it into the grind of the Big Ten. Um, so speaking of that, this will be a good segue. You had to jump out to head downtown to the Embassy Suites for a luncheon with. Uh, Bill Moose and Matt Davison, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not attend that luncheon, but anything news and noteworthy that came out of that? Well, it's just a uh, a gathering of uh, Nebraska fans, as you said, at the NBC Suites, and uh, Director of Athletics Bill Moose and uh, Associate Athletic Director Matt Davison, uh, who's obviously involved in football. It was basically a roundtable, Greg Sharp, Boys uh, of the Huskers, emceed it and asked them some questions and then they took some questions from fans and uh, there were jokes told and there were laughs and uh, it was you know a good uh, a good boost the uh, to the football season and uh, kind of a rah-rah feel to it and everything I don't know that they didn't exactly name a starting quarterback or anything like that so to say that there was any news that came out of it no I wouldn't say but you know Davison was really good talking about the culture here and the formula that we've all talked about and heard about and how there's the mixture of the players, not the players, but the personnel from the program who used to be here. And they're mixing that in with some of the future things of uh, of football and trying to blend into the right formula and how important it is to connect with the coaches and communities across the state to reestablish the walk-on program and how if you're good enough to play at Nebraska and you're from the state of Nebraska, they want you on this team, whether it's as a scholarship player or as a walk-on. It's really very important to them. And then he said that I think something that we've all known, um, but just the camaraderie and the... um, overall unity from former players, current players, everything. And it's not been this way as as Matt said, probably in, you know, fifteen to twenty years. His exact quote was, I think everybody kind of feels this community now around our program that we probably haven't filled in twenty one years. Uh, that includes all the former players said there are very few guys, if any, he knows of that isn't on board with what's going on right now. And when you have an approval rating approaching 100%, and I don't know that we can say it's 100%, but it's very high 90 percentage, uh, that's really good. And that's what Nebraska football and athletics in general have been built on over the years was one common force, one unity. And I think we're getting a return to that and to hear Davison talk about that in front of the fans and the fans applauding it was just uh, again not something we haven't already heard but good to hear again especially one week before a football game yeah and the, speaking to that I mean you have not only I mean you kind of have some different eras you have I don't know if eras are the right year but you have a lot of by looking at the coaching staff you have you have Scott not a coach but you have Matt 
you have a guy like Greg Austin who played here. You have Ryan Held who played here. You have Greg Austin that played here. And so you have the natural connection of wanting to have that unity, but you also have a coaching staff that's not really just that's really embracing it and making it a vocal point. I, I can remember back when Scott got the day got Scott got introduced as the head coach. There's a video of him walking into the weight room. Mm-hmm. All those former players are in there, and he kind of walks in and says, "Guys, help me do this." And so I think from day one, it's been it's been really to the forefront of remaking those connections because all those guys could be here and not make it a focus. Mm-hmm. But it feels like that's really something they're they're trying to do, which is I'm sure all the former players are really happy about that. But um, I mean, having that unity, which, like you said, has not been here, has caused some issues in the program over the last 20 years when you don't kind of have everyone pulling in the same direction. So, um, yeah, it's a really good thing to see. Um, so I guess did the luncheon today kind of have a summer feel as maybe some of the, the, the tour from the summer or kind of the same same feeling as that? Or Yeah, it was a different? lot like the – especially when Bill Moose talked, he told a lot of the same stories and vignettes that he did on the Husker tour in Scotts Bluff and Gehring and um, was it Alliance and maybe Omaha, wherever he was during the summertime back in June, he told a lot of the same types of stories and got a lot of the same types of laughs. And one thing he did mention today, and I think he's probably mentioned it before, but it was important, again, I think to hear is that the Nebraska brand is not tarnished he said it just needed to be dusted off a little bit. And I'm here to tell you, it's dusted. And then he's joked that he did some of the dusting himself, which he's done a lot of the dusting, mm-hmm. but he's had some some help in the cleanup part of that too. But just to hear him say that again, and again, that was one of those situations or one of those moments when the, the fans there really applauded and, uh, and appreciated. And there were two or three of those moments when something that either Matt or Bill said that they really appreciated with their applause. Um, and if I'm correct, there's still another event, similar event. So it was in Lincoln today at the Embassy Suites. There's another one tomorrow at Friday. The, yeah. Yes. At, we're recording here on Thursday. So Friday at the Embassy Suites in a pavilion. Um, I believe it is something that the public can attend. Now there's a cost for it. Um, so call our uh, our ticket office, 1-800-8-BIG-RED, if you're interested in attending. If you hear this today and there's still time to get in tomorrow, um, shoot them a call. Uh, so let's continue on football. Uh, we've had a few more practice this week. Um, have not heard from the head coach yet. He will speak tomorrow, Friday, after practice to the media. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you gathered from hearing from Coach Walters and Coach Shenander so far since we uh, last spoke last week? Well, they're getting ready for a football game next week. Yes. <laughs> and I don't, you know, there's not a lot of news to report. Everybody wants to know about the quarterbacks. And uh, Thursday, a uh, very key situational scrimmage for the quarterbacks. It's down to Adrian Martinez and Tristan Jebbia, as I think everybody knows now. So how they performed in the situations today, I think, will have a big bearing on, on who the quarterback is. I think you'll see a lot of media here on Friday when Scott Frost is the only person that talks. And um, I don't know that there will be an announcement, but I think a lot of people are expecting an announcement tomorrow of who the starting quarterback will be a week from Saturday. So that's the big non-news uh, that we're waiting for news is the quarterback situation. But sounded like Thursday's practice, excuse me, Wednesday's practice wasn't the best of the bunch so 
you know, you're going to have a couple of those every fall camp. And I think that was probably the first time of this preseason camp we heard that they didn't uh, perform particularly well in practice. But you don't want to make too big of an issue out of that either. Um, but it was something that a little eye-opening because we haven't heard a lot of those situations this fall where they've had any of those. So, But again, uh, classes started this week, and you have another you add another detail that players have to pay attention to and part of their schedule and everything. Some of those things are bound to happen, but defensively, I think they're still performing very well, uh, still forcing some turnovers in practice, and uh, offensively, uh, talking to uh, Gerald Foster after practice on Wednesday, he was talking about the pace of, of play, and he's like when we get going we're we're really good we're really tough to stop and mentioned that the best he knows that they're doing well when they're snapping the ball when there's three or four defenders still standing up not knowing what they're doing now that doesn't happen on every single play yet and i think that's what they need to work toward is to keep that pace up while not making errors and making the right reads and i think when you have two young quarterbacks learning a new system that's not going to happen right away. But as as Gerald said, when it does happen, look out. This offense can be really tough to stop. It's just that I don't think they're quite there yet in terms of keeping that pace over and over and over again. Um, and again, that goes back to the quarterback experience or lack thereof because A, they're freshmen and B, it's a new system. So that's why this week and, and next week is very critical with practices and these scrimmages and, and, and getting a starter named. Uh, and not just looking at offense, I know I think that that's been a lot of the focus on how much different pace of play the offense and everything. But I, I, one thing Coach Frost brought up fr- last Friday, I believe, was don't forget how that can affect our defense. In that, um, I think one thing he said was, you know, we we want to get too deep, confidently too deep at every position because we may need to do like a full almost hockey line change at defense because because of the pace they play at offense. A lot of times the defense has to play more snaps. I mean. There's going to be drives this year where we may go three and out and not take more than a minute off the clock. Um, so that defense is going to be right back on the field. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how that uh, depth at some of those positions work out. I think the teams been, or the coaches have been pretty um, happy with how the secondary depth has changed since spring ball. Um, I'll be interested to see that where we come at in the front seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess have you gotten an idea from Coach Chenander or any of the defensive assistants where they kind of feel like those two groups are at from a, a depth perspective? Well, I think they feel a lot better on the back end in the secondary than they did in spring, not just in terms of depth, but just overall play of the mm-hmm. secondary. I think it was a, a major concern coming out of spring football and with additions of a Trey Neal and who wasn't here in the spring and a couple other Transfers who were here in the spring but have learned a lot more over the over the summer and into the fall. Uh, Deontay Williams being one we've talked about before. I, I think they're seeing a lot of progress on the back end in the secondary, so that's probably uh, more on par or maybe even above par for where better than par from what they want to be for right now. Linebacker, they're still talking about you know who's inside, who's outside, trying to figure out some platooning situations there. Uh, Barrett Rude was talking about that after practice on on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, Colin Miller is a guy that uh, has moved to believe to the. I believe, I believe he's moved from outside to, to inside. inside. Yeah, yep. so that's that's a change, and he's performed very well in practice and 
kind of one of those names that have uh, that's kind of emerged in, in preseason camps. Uh, Colin Miller, so, so keep an eye on him, but probably not where they want to be depth wise at linebacker just yet in terms of having everybody knowing the system backwards and forwards, inside and out. But and then the defensive line, I I think they're probably in, pr- in pretty good shape there. Um, I don't know a lot of the backups, uh, backups of the backups right now, yeah. but I think they can go fairly deep, uh, and, you know, especially when you're playing a, a 3-4 and you have an outside linebacker up on the line, so you're essentially down to the to the three linemen. But I think the biggest improvement from, again, from the spring until now is definitely the back end and the secondary. I know yeah. they've been really pleased with that. So, And there, you know, we have Trey Neal, Deontay Williams, Antonio Reed, Aaron Williams – um, uh, DiCaprio Brutal, uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson. Um, Ethan Cox. I know there's, Cox a, I know there's a, a couple name. freshmen that they're excited yeah. about. Uh, Cameron Jones. Um, yeah. Name's escaping me. Last name is Clark. That's escaping, his first name is escaping me right now. But um, yeah, I think there's. It'll be interesting too with the new, especially with the younger guys with the redshirt rule change this year. Is you can throw some of those guys out early and maybe find out if they're really ready. For, I mean, Practice is one thing, camp's one thing. Um, every year it seems like there's guys that wow people in camp and then they get out there for the JoJo Doman's and JoJo Doman is back. Yeah. Um, you get out there for camp or that first game and it's just you can't mm-hmm. prepare for that. So that's another thing that I really like about the redshirt rule is you can get a guy out there that you think's ready to play and if they are, great. If not, no harm, no foul. And JoJo's another one that wasn't here in the, he was here in the spring, but he wasn't participating in spring yes. practices. So he's another one they've had in the fall so when you add more bodies and more experience back there that's a big reason that i think coaches are a lot more pleased with that position than they than they were in the spring yeah um well we've uh we've covered i think what we can for football for now we're yeah we're we're, we're at that point we're, now we're, we're just we got to play a game <laughs> they need to play a game and we need to play yeah, a game we'll, so we have something else to write about and talk about i it's, think we're nine days to, away yeah um Again, Coach Frost will talk to the media tomorrow, Friday. Yeah. And then next week we'll have some depth chart. You know, they'll, yes. they'll release a full depth chart on Monday at the news conference, and then we can have some of those sorts of things to, to figure out and, and talk about and rehash and yep. analyze. And right now we're kind of guessing, and there's really no point of that. But we'll have an actual depth chart. Mm-hmm. I think they call it almost a production chart in, in coaches' terms here now. But for layman's terms and fans' terms, it's a depth chart, and yep. we'll have one of those on Monday. And um, be sure to check Huskers, Huskers.com late Monday morning. We'll, we'll have it on there first yep. right away um, as far as who's going where and who's number one and who's number two. Will could we know it, about a quarterback before some, then? Could have some oars Maybe. On there. I don't know. There there might be some. I don't know. I don't know about the oars. I don't know if the staff is a oar staff or not. Some think, some staffs do that and others don't. I don't so. know if you remember. You would have been at the Journal Star at this point. This was way back uh, – remember what year it was but we had like a four running back race and yeah. i think it was it was marlon lucky brandon jackson kenny wilson and cody glenn and each of them it was like four a four b four c or one a one b one c one d and it might be that way this year too because as we've talked about you know we haven't really talked about the running backs i guess on this podcast but they, they want a running back guy by committee so ideally three to four running backs and Mm -hmm. whoever starts it's not that big of a deal because it might be the second or third guy who gets more snaps by the time it's all said and done so that might be a position where you'll see some oars but even if you don't and 
you see so-and-so's name at the top. Don't read too much into that because it's not like that person's going to see 30 carries a game or play 70 snaps or whatever it's going to be. They're going to play three or four. And, uh, you know, you have your Maurice's, you know, Maurice Washington, Greg Bell, Divino Zigbo, uh, Trey Bryant's been a little bit slowed. But, Michael Wilbon, uh, Michael Bradley. Wilbon. Yeah. You can, you can go on. I think they're pretty deep at that Even position. this, Even this week uh, – um, Wyatt Mazur was another guy that uh, yeah. Coach Frost brought up last Friday. So there's there's a lot of names involved in there that you know you you could consider. And so yeah, when you're talking about your oars, okay, maybe running back you'll see some oars in there. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, I think we've gotten saturated with football as of now. We're nine nine days out from this is Thursday. Um, next week we'll have heard from Coach Frost twice. Um, they'll be in game planning week for Akron actually I think coach Frost last week even said that Akron game plan week may start mm-hmm. may start as early as tomorrow or Saturday but uh yeah we'll be in game game week next week um seven o'clock a week from Saturday so um that'll be exciting to talk about uh I know one other thing you wanted to cover before we uh end the pod for today was the new basketball news that came out yesterday seems like men's basketball has kind of been releasing news sporadically over the last yeah. couple of weeks. Um, Lots of changes here and there. And yeah. What what uh, for those that get into the kind of analytics stuff of scheduling and things like that? What what was the news yesterday with men's basketball? Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. the The NCAA on its website actually published a story that the NCAA men's basketball committee for division one is going to have a new tool basically replacing the rpi ratings performance index with what they're calling uh ncaa evaluation tool which stands which is what stands for net and that's going to be the new barometer for the committee and include Items such as game results, strength of schedule, location of game, scoring margin, and it says in parentheses capping at 10 points per game, also net offensive and defensive efficiency, so there'll be more stats and numbers involved than what your RPI had. And I guess the committee did consider uh, using the game date and uncapped scoring margin, distance traveled, and days of rest before a game, but... In the end, they decided against using those in this particular equation. Uh, they still will be using the quadrant system. Um, so again, quadrant one uh, is a home victory over a team ranked in the top 30, uh, neutral victory over a team ranked in the top 50, uh, road victory over a team ranked in the top 75, and that gets you a quad one win. And those are the seems to be the holy grail of of uh of wins in terms of getting your name involved in the NCAA selection committee for consideration into the tournament. So it sounds like the RPI is gone. It is gone. It's now the NET and they'll be using that when they're choosing and seeding teams and doing all that stuff for the NCAA tournament. One more thing for ESPN to break down over the next however. Yeah, and ESPN I'm sure will still have their they have their own system yep. and their different numbers, and uh, you know the RPI had kind of been over recent years devalued in some respects. I think a lot of committees didn't use that the way that they used to, and again, but that would depend on who's on this committee versus that committee because some years they 
you never know what a committee is going to harp on. It's something different each year, it seems like. Like one year they'll harp on road victories, another year they'll harp on strength of schedule, another year they'll um, talk about number of total victories or your placing, you know, wherever it is, it's something different each year, it seems like. So this year we have uh, a tool that will kind of combine all of those. Again, it's uh, including game results, strength of schedule, uh, location of the game, scoring margin, uh, net offensive and defensive efficiency. So uh, a lot more involved there than what the RPI did. Yeah, because for those that don't know, I mean, the RPI is not a simple formula, but basically all it really considered was wins or losses. If I'm, yeah. if you and I are playing a game and I'm the home team and I beat you by one, it counts the same as if I beat you by 100. Same as if I'm mm-hmm. the home team and you come to my house and beat me by one, the, the negative for me is the same as if you beat me by 30. Well, that, that loss really shouldn't mm-hmm. count the same. I mean, the scoring margin should factor into that. Um, basically, the RPI was a system where for a home win, you got a certain amount of points. For a home loss, you lost a certain amount of points. You win on the road is obviously worth more points than winning at home or a neutral site. Losing on the road is less detrimental than losing at a neutral site or at home. Um, but then the confusing part about the RPI is basically – my RPI is affected by if I beat you, your RPI of the teams that you win, mm-hmm. the teams that you beat, and the teams that they win, and the teams that they win over and they and they lose to. So, um, I think that as far as I know, this is only for men's basketball sports. Like, yeah, it's important to we'll still be using the RPI. Yeah, the women's basketball will still be using the RPI, okay. and that's probably the most important thing here to realize is that it's only men that's doing this NET thing right now. The women will keep the RPI, at least for this year. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll see how that uh, fit. If it uh, works out this year, I'm sure there'll be teams that say, well, at the end of the season, well, if we'd been using the RPI, we would have been ranked here, and so on and so forth. So it sounds like a good system, though, especially considering that they're going to add in other factors. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Um, Well, anything else? That wraps up this week, I think. Wraps up the week. Okay. Well, yeah, we're... uh, One podcast closer to game week. Yes, we're one. I I think we'll pot again next week before the game. Um, Hopefully, we'll we'll have too many availabilities with Coach Frost before then. So, um, until then, get out, watch some uh, volleyball this week, Friday night uh, against Florida, rematch of the last game of last year, national championship game, Um, and then Saturday... Nebraska will be playing Oregon at the Devaney Center. Um, Nebraska soccer also at home this weekend. They're playing uh, Oregon and Oregon State, I believe. Um, and then next week we'll we'll be into the full mix of football, volleyball, soccer, cross country, everything getting going. So um, for now, that's I'm Jeremy Foote. That's Brian Rosenthal. Um, follow Brian on Twitter for he's usually tweeting at everything uh, Husker related. Brian, again, what's your what's your Twitter handle? GBR Rosenthal. GBR Rosenthal. The R is GB Rosenthal. GB Rosenthal. No one wants to follow me on Twitter because I'm not very exciting. So uh, <laughs> visit Huskers.com. Brian's got all kinds of content up there. Um, we'll have live video of Coach Frost press conference on Monday for free on our site. Um, I believe the press conference starts at 11 with Coach Cook. Then we'll have some players, um, football players up there. And then Coach Frost will be on live at 1230. Um, you can watch it online, huskers.com. You can also watch it on your phone. Um, our new app, you can get it there from the App Store, uh, official Huskers app, both Google Play and and, and um, App Store and Google Play Store. Um, we'll have links in there to watch it as well. So uh, we'll have you covered everything Husker related leading up to uh, next Saturday. So for now, we'll see you next week.